Oh my God, so I was in the middle of an argument with my parents about school <laughs> and um, I was never out of trouble in school. We were in the middle of a blazing row about something and then it wasn't going my way because I was, yeah. I was in the wrong and I hated being like not getting the last word. So I was like, right, how can I turn this? How can I swing this? Do you know what? I'm gay! <laughs> I just waited for the pause and I thought like, I was like, I think I secretly wanted the whole drama of been thrown out and all of this carry on, you know what I mean? Out, out, breathe candle. But no, they just took, it felt like an hour but it was about two seconds and they went, we know. You know? <laughs> Around the world. Around the world. In 80 gays. Around the world. Around the world. In 80 gays. Heroes of our bygone days who fought for freedom and equality. Icons, anthems coming out. Pronouns, drag queens, struggles, life and love. Around the world. was done and the podcast is back. Oh no, it isn't. Oh yes, it is, Brian. And for our first episode of the new year, we are delighted to welcome writer, actor and self-described Queen of D1, Thomas Cainburn. Well, TKB, I love it, the initials. An award, you are an award-winning actor, writer from Dublin's North Inner City, as well as artistic director of Breadline. Now, he is one of the youngest winners of the Stuart Parker Award, winning a development bursary for his debut play, Say Nothing to No One. So welcome to the podcast, Thomas. Thanks for having me. And only people could see the outfit though, right, Catherine? Well, no, technically they're life pyjamas. It's like a, a two-piece collusion. Is it a black? Is it... I'm not, I'm not going to say satin. Satin, satin adjacent. Satin adjacent. <laughs> it's from ASOS. Like. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, and, uh, I love it. And here's the thing. I was doing my homework about you last night. There's so many things about you online that I never knew about. I mean, you're a very... You, let's just say you've got your finger in a lot of different pies. What's going on at the moment? Um, I'm writing a lot so I'm kind of in that space um, I wrapped a series there before Christmas and it was nice to kind of act for a while because I hadn't done it in a few months What series were you in just to tell the listeners? I'm either a hairdresser or a drug dealer there's no in between <laughs> so, <laughs> You were a hairdresser in uh, the movie uh, Deadly Cuts Deadly, Deadly Cuts Cut. Yeah but at the minute I'm just writing loads and yeah, it's kind of at that space where it's like draft after draft and there's no immediate payoff yeah. so it's like oh my god but, Do you find you have to get yourself into a very swatty frame of mind to to do the writing because I've met you on nights out we've met on the scene and I can't imagine that person can go home and get up and write so do you have to go into a kind of a healthier place on every level to, to write or do you just let it flow yeah well I'm very good at just getting up the next morning and get, getting on with it you know what I mean like the kind of problem I would have was I was diagnosed with ADHD at four yeah. so it's kind of like that can be that can be a problem when you want to get when you have deadlines and well, stuff have, like oh that. Oh my god, tell me about it. Absolutely. You I know think what I mean? That's why we get on so bad. Uh, well. I think it our is. energies. Are, and um, you grew up where exactly in the inner Shamrock Dermot Street. So oh, yeah, St Mary's Mansion. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know I, I know the answer to this question already because I'm from somebody from the Falls Road and all of that kind of yeah. really working class kind of thing. How does that influence your work? Do you think? Well, as you know, like, it, it, it's just such, there's just such a rich tapestry of, like, characters and stories. And, like, it, it's 
I don't see it as just another part of Dublin. It's a completely different kind of almost ethnicity. You know what I mean? Yeah, because there's like a there's a language and an an energy and a history and a way of doing things and that an and an accent, yeah. absolutely an accent that's dying out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And almost an, another language. Like if I had someone, it's a dialect. Yeah, yeah, like if I had someone from there with me now, we'd be able to talk about you in English, and you wouldn't know what we were saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And on purpose as well. Like <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it is, and it's also the community. Um, yeah, you don't have that when you step outside of uh, you know these beautiful places working class areas you don't have that same community in no town. you don't have it in Rakar you don't have it in you know yeah. mines and places like that because yeah. it's um, even it's in Temple Bar I was living there during the lockdown with my best friend um, shout out to Eric Rowe <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi Derek and even then like there's no like it just didn't have that sense of community yeah. you know what I mean everyone keeping to themselves and it was so weird like seeing your neighbour in, in the hallway and not knowing them I know you know what I mean yeah because I come from Leitrim and I come from a community down there they say you know small town big family tell me about this so the thing that I think that really struck me about you and I could relate to it was really when I looked at your work especially last night when I was googling you because I was doing my homework um, the women in your life really figure very highly in terms of how you quote things um, I, I didn't hear you speak much about the, the men in your life really, yeah. as in the paternal side of the family but certainly your mom, your aunties the women in your life seem to really have a massive effect on you yeah like big time now don't get me wrong I am very close to me dad and my brother but I just think like, as cliche as it is, and as I say, cliches are cliches for a reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah, women are just a huge part of your life as a gay man. Yeah. I think so. You know I what think I mean? we're more understanding of each other, aren't we? Absolutely. They're kind of that anchor for you when you're growing up and you don't know who the fuck you are. And you know what yeah. I mean? You're trying to swim in a sea and there's little... Because, of course, we have a shared commonality, which is we both love men. We both love men, yeah. <laughs> They're both the rose and torn of our lives, yeah, you know. <laughs> but we understand the anxiety of living in the world as well. Um, we haven't all got our rights, you know, when we yeah. meet each other. Absolutely. You know, and even gay men have trundled fo more forward um, and are in even a better position, I think, than women at the moment. Yeah. You know, women need to come forward now, next. Um, Just, I've always been surrounded by strong women and hung around with strong women and been inspired by strong women, you know. Where were the strong men? Where were they? Oh, the strong men were the there pub. as well, but like, yeah, <laughs> in the pub. But I don't know. I just, I've just... Well, I I'm think... the same as you, Catherine, and we were saying this before. I'm exactly the same as you. When I think about my childhood, and you talk about the strong people from your childhood, mm -hmm. Catherine, it's usually the women that come to the surface because they're much more emotionally honest. Somebody's going to have a meltdown, you're going to get it from the next door neighbour or your own mother or your sister. Whereas men, as you say, I know you said it lightly, they go to the pub, they sit in the back, yeah. And brood about something, whereas women, if they're having a problem, Jesus, you're going to know. Yeah, you're going to absolutely. Know but also, I think it's um, um, a sign of a great writer, a male writer who can really ah. write good women. Yeah. When you had the likes of just say Brian Moore, who wrote The Lonely Passions of Judith Hearn, yeah. how did he get into a woman's head like that? It was yeah. so amazing. So I always think that it's a real testament to a, a male writer that they can write good female characters. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and like as you were saying about writing for women, like two big inspirations of mine are Sean O'Casey and Tennessee Williams oh, yeah. like the, 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 the women of theatre yeah. for me like even if you look at Sean O'Casey like when he wrote Rosie Redmond for example and The wow. Plough and the Stars The Prostitute there, there were riots in the Abbey Theatre but he was writing women like the women were it was a woman's world that Sean O'Casey was writing even though it was amidst the civil war and all of this it was about the women at home mm -hmm. keeping the, the cogs turning and keeping everything running and he was writing women who were completely in charge of their own trajectory 
You yeah, know what I mean? Your stereotypes. They were cusp of society women. Absolutely. You know, they were prostitutes and exactly. Um, and women keeping the home running. And yeah. if you look at Juno and the Peacock, yeah. a woman putting her husband in its place, uh, in its place. Sorry, excuse me, in yeah. his place. In and his place. The same, same as uh, Tennessee Williams. Absolutely, as well. it wasn't heard of at the time. Like, and I, I know Sean came before Tennessee Williams, so even more so. Are yeah. you there, Maria? <laughs> <laughs> I would go to see that play now as a wee kid. It was murder. Protestant and Catholic kids were all in suddenly in the same theatre at school thing. Yeah. Oh my God, there was murder. The whole, the whole thing was disrupted. Was it? Was oh it a riot God. outside? Right inside the theatre. Inside. Between the kids, the school kids pelted each other. Oh my God. And they didn't even know why they were doing it, probably. Oh, of course, we knew exactly why. <laughs> yeah, we a show within a show within a show. I remember things like, you know, are you there, Murray ART? And what is the stars? So, okay, so let's go into who was your gay inspiration growing up? There was a good few I have to say. Now I want to start with me Auntie Janet okay because me Auntie Janet is like 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 you Catherine like the OG gay man trapped in a straight woman's body you, you know what I mean like she op- <laughs> I felt like she opened the door to like such a world of inspiration like that are still my inspirations to this day like yeah. old Betty Davis films I saw Titanic for the first time yeah, with her she, like Maria Callas yeah. Barbara oh. Streisand all these people who are still but yeah I want to start with Janet because she like really did open the door to such what did you think gay was I mean what did you know what that word meant was there another word for it like queer like what? oh it wasn't queer where I'm from babe it's queer <laughs> but um, yeah no gay like the literal meaning was happy so um, like I remember when I'd go home and they're calling me gay and I'd be told that it just means happy will you stop that <laughs> and then but I was very lucky because on the other hand when I'd come home from school and say oh they're calling me this again and that and um, my dad would say and who gives a bollocks you're still here at the end of the day oh, and I, I so I knew from a young age that who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? I am what I am. Yeah. Which I was very lucky. Like, I don't have traumatic story. Was that your dad who said that to you? No, me ma. She just has a really deep voice. She's <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only messing. It was yeah. me dad. <laughs> so he was aware of it. Absolute. Come here. I, I'm, when I say, you know the way sometimes when people come out, yeah. they yeah. become more themselves. I was like this yeah. my whole life. Okay, tell us Even more so. Story, yeah. Oh my God, so I was in the middle of an argument with my parents about school <laughs> and um, I was never out of trouble in school. As I said, ADHD, ADD, GAD, the whole fucking alphabet. <laughs> we were in the middle of a blazing row about something and then it wasn't going my way because I, yeah. I was in the wrong and I hated being like not getting the last word. Do you know what I mean? I hated when there wasn't a high horse for me to stand on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, right, how can I turn this? How can I swing this? Do you know what? I'm... Gay. <laughs> I just waited for the pause, and I thought, like, I was like, I think I secretly wanted the whole drama. I've been thrown out, and all of this carry on. You know what I mean? Out, out, breathe, candle. But now they just took like it felt like an hour, but it was about two seconds, and they went, "We know." <laughs> like, as if no to say, shit, Sherlock. No shit, Sherlock. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, who is now your current <coughs> icon? Do you think? Okay, can I give some honourable mentions? Yes. Yeah. So the first one was me, Auntie Janet. Then I want to say Christina Aguilera because, sure. for obvious reasons. I want to say Barbara Streisand. And then I just want to give one last honourable mention to Paddy Lapone. Okay, explain Paddy Lapone to our listeners. So Paddy Lapone for, yeah, for all the... And just a Broadway baby, baby. Walking on my tired feet Thanks so much, Catherine. 42nd Street <laughs> To be in a show <laughs> Thanks for your support, Catherine. Um, <laughs> you know, how do you know who she is? I've just been a theatre theater geek my whole life, you know what I mean? I played Don't Cry For Me Argentina so much 
pitched that right. the opening two notes. So she's the original Evita for people listening. The original Broadway Evita baby. Elaine Page did it first, but okay. Yeah. Um, so I've tried to be playful saying that. I just sounded bitchy, didn't it? Sorry, no. Brian. No, we're on, the, <laughs> we're on the same Elaine Page. Yeah, there's this famous story actually where they brought a lot of the ensemble of the the West End um, production over to Broadway. Yeah. And they were like, you know, Elaine does this and Elaine does this. So there's that scene where she holds her hands yeah. kind of slightly up. But Patti LuPone goes, well, I do this. And like <laughs> threw her hands up into her like a big large V. So she's, she's extra. She's Yeah, she's the Broadway she's queen. Like she did a Vita. They asked, her, they asked her what she thought of Madonna being... <laughs> what did she say? Well, let's just say you would have needed a temperature thermometer. Well, oh. podcast, you could tell us. But well, no, people Google it at home. It's, it's Googleable. <laughs> yeah. What did she do? She did a Vita. Yeah. She did. Um, she won her Tony for Vita. Yeah. She won a Tony for Will and Grace a lot. Will remember? and Grace a lot. American Horror Story, Story Coven. Yeah. But her Broadway roles were like a, a Gypsy. Yeah, that was another one. She won another Tony for that. She won a Tony recently for Company. Now, Thomas, speaking of Broadway, I again was doing my homework last night, and who did I find? on Broadway with his best besties losing his shit over a version of Funny Girl. You were crying and filming it at the same time. <laughs> Tell us about your trip to uh, like I grew up like Lee was the holy grail. <laughs> like the holy grail especially for a little kid little gay kids with no place yeah. in the fucking world. It was like it was our solace when we yeah. came home from school you know what I mean? And I was quite lucky in the sense that when I came home from school and I shut the door the bully and stopped the poor yeah. kids today have no Very escape online and all you know what I mean? But um, so yeah so Lee and Michelle was like is the is. queen to us so yeah. I paid the goods of a grand for two tickets for me and my wow. sister and um, that was my sister filming me crying by the way <laughs> but um, I stood up five times in the fourth act Oh, wow. And you know, Broadway, the cocktails aren't cheap. I knocked a fucking 60 quid cocktail in my sister's hand and all. She was <laughs> like an animal. I just, you know what? Look, let's be honest. She is a problematic person, but she's different now. I, like, Because with all this cancel culture, okay? Yeah. It was just nice to see someone being allowed to learn from their mistakes. Yes. And you know what I mean? And grow and not be cancelled and... It was so just, when you're saying that, can explain that to the yeah. what what you mean by her being cancelled and all that. A lot of people came forward to say she yeah. was very problematic and glee yeah. and stuff like that. And she did an interview then. She with was the, a, you see, she's a woman, so she's problematic. You know, absolutely. And she's a diva. Whereas if it was a man, it'd be he'd like, be good at his job. Yeah, he'd be, he's good also, at his job. Yeah. Let's not yeah. forget the strand of grief in that, and that she she lost. Her yeah. Yeah. No, but all in all, even though I love her, she was a bit of a James Blunt on set. Like some of the stories <laughs> were like mental and like, and she deserved to be like held accountable for it but she also deserved a second chance so it was just yeah. amazing to see that talent survives you know yeah. what I mean if you kind of yeah. learn from what you've done talent survives and, and sometimes villains win made you so emotional about it yeah, yeah well a bit but also it was funny girl it hasn't been done in 60 years since Barbara you know what I mean yeah. and no offence to Beanie I adore her as an actress but it needs a vocal star yeah. You know, so it needed oh, Leah Michelle. Thing, right? Oh my, it's the oh, thing, really, yeah. That and Evita, because yeah. they're carrying the whole show vocally. And yeah. I suppose Evita would be harder because it's an operetta, yeah. there's no talking. But yeah. just when she came out, and then that line that I, I, I'm, I'm getting a tattooed one day, I think yeah. it's, let's give him hell, Bryce. We'll cry a little later. Well, Bryce, that's life in the theatre. It just. It just got me. I love it. I was bawling. Oh. Oh, I didn't care about the 60 euro cocktail. <laughs> me and Catherine are knocking on the door of Sean McDermott Street 
Uh, hi, Thomas, we're here. Where's the cocktails? What are you playing us? What is it like? You're going to reach into your, I don't know, these days, your, what do you, how do you play music these days? Through a, a phone or something ridiculous? No CDs. Spotify on the telly, maybe. <laughs> so Spotify on the telly. What is your play anthem? What are we bopping to around at yours? Oh, okay. Can I do a ballad and a bop? Yeah, okay, you can have two. So my ballad is. A toss up between One Moment in Time by Whitney Houston and you know, do you know on Barbara's duets album, there's the One Less Bell Door, do you know the One Less Bell to Answer? Yeah, One Less Bell to Answer and a Chair is Still a Chair, that mashup. Yes. So they're my ballads, and then my bop is MacArthur Park. How do you know about MacArthur Park? <laughs> I don't know. How, what are you, 27, 28 years old? We'll give you my stage age, Brian. 21. <laughs> How do you know about MacArthur Park? That's a really left of centre choice. Yeah, I don't know. Like, me ma always loved Don, Donna Summer. Like, she, she wasn't one of our favourites, but she was someone she liked. I always knew it, and then Manila Luzon did a lip sync to it in season two of Drag Race, right. and it just reignited <laughs> my love for it. And I just thought there was so much drama. Spring was never waiting for his dear. It ran one step ahead, but that's singing about a bleeding cake. I don't think that I can make it because it took so long to bake it. I wish someone would leave my cake out in the rain. So, what did you cry <laughs> over last that hurt you, maybe? Yeah, no, I lost two like very, very dear people to me this year, and I oh. cried a lot. Right. But my nanny and my uncle, who are very, like, very, very dear to me, you know what I mean? But, um, and at your age, that's that's um, it's the first real yeah. meeting of grief, isn't it? Yeah, one of them definitely, but um, Were yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know yourself, Jenny. Jenny, she was like, she was the OG independent woman. Uh, so progressive in her way of thinking. Yeah. I mean, she was just a boss bitch, as we say nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that a lot of um, gay men down the years who I knew who came out in working class areas were far more accepted than those in middle class and upper class. Big time. Weren't they? Big time. I wonder why that was. Was it because there was more community or there was more, there was more problems? Like, you yeah. know, he's gay. Well, that's fine. He's not a bleeding heroin addict. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, going to prison. But even then, we're heroin addicts, definitely in the inner city. We're yeah. very we're very mindful that uh, p people with addiction problems yeah. are being demonised by society. But yeah. really, re re it's a sickness and they need yeah. to be minded and they need to, like, be helped. You know what I mean? Yeah, Rather I than... I love the fact that we're taking the word junkie out of the... A hundred percent. It's a vile word. A vile I word. hate it. It's like... And it's it's something that, you know... It dehumanises people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It makes people just another just another number and I, I don't like that and I think... And with the it's not the man in the shell suit that's at wrong, it's the man in the bloody black suit. Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They just have their type of suits wrong. That, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and even... Thomas, Thomas, this is the fire brigade on the, on the phone right now. Your house <laughs> is on fire, right? What are you going to say from your house? What one thing or two things would you say from your house? Your house is on fire, Thomas. And I, It's not people because that would make it boring. People are covered. I'm talking people about are covered. Thing. Well, the love of my life, Ali Dash, Othello Kane Byrne, my little miniature Jack Russell, he'd ah, have to come first. Lovely. You might see me trotting around Temple What's Bar his with name him. Again? Ali Dash, Othello Kane Byrne. Othello was his confirmation name, it came later in life. Oh. <laughs> he's, oh, he's, a cat, he's gay, he's a gay Catholic dog, he's like me. <laughs> <laughs> But him, <laughs> he's he's a bottom as well. He's a bottom. He's like me. The only thing he's ever top was the charts. <laughs> but so I'd grab Ollie. I'd grab Ollie and uh, me DR Beach. So I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a tree. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> sure, that would be the deposit for exactly. the next house. <laughs> a month's rent. <laughs> Have you any advice for aspiring performers and creatives that you've, like, you're only 28 and you've done so much? 21. <laughs> 
<laughs> stage age. Stage age. I shouldn't say your age out loud, should I? No, babes. I want to be like Joan Crawford. I want no one to actually know me age when I die. You know what I mean? Like Catherine Lynch. Yeah, yes, exactly. like Catherine Lynch. Well, I never say my age out loud or my face might hear. <laughs> I think the first thing is what other people think of you is none of your oh, fucking correct. business. Any thoughts about you or any ill will towards you was formed in their body and their mind and it is their oh, problem. you know what? You're so right and I really wish there was an actual module on that. Yeah. Because there should be, shouldn't there? Yeah, because at the end of the day, the same... Can I drop the C-bomb yeah. here? Yeah. The same sitting around the same kitchen table talking <laughs> poison about people yeah. are going to be at the same kitchen table in five years while you continue to thrive. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Full. bitchiness has gone out with skinny jeans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Leave them to it. But uh, so yeah, my advice would be what other people think of you is none of your fucking business. And as cliche as it sounds, as a performer and as a writer, the, the only thing that's going to make you successful is what you have to bring. So as soon as you just completely do you, yeah. and, and I think we've all, we all know that, as soon as you yeah. completely be yourself as an artist that's when things start to happen because it's you they're interested in not what you're putting on or not who you're trying to be you and so listen what are your hopes and dreams for the year ahead oh I just want to make it fucking true at this point yeah. <laughs> it's, you know what it's a question that when us artists get asked we don't really have an immediate answer no. because things roll in yeah you know, when people ask me oh what 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 what's what are you doing next Catherine yeah I'd love to be able to answer at this stage. I don't yeah. fucking know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it comes in waves, doesn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. It and also, I remember talking uh, very briefly, here's here's your name drop of the day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I sat beside Patrick Scott, the artist, one time many years ago, and he said, Brian, I'm in my 90s now. You know, the the, jo the job of the artist is to, is to live your life yeah. as artistically as possible. Don't worry about peaks and troughs and money in the bank. Or Absolutely. Sure, that stuff is important, but... Being an artist is a lifetime's work. So yeah. keep moving. And forward. then you handed him 25 grand for a round circle of gold leaf. <laughs> <laughs> and I give him another one. Because they're so beautiful. They are and beautiful. there's another quote actually that I'm going to say. I heard it from a lovely friend of mine, Miss Kate Gilmore. Now I'm misquoting her here, but it's what matters is your attitude when you have nothing and your graciousness when you have everything. I know I'm misquoting her there. Sorry, oh, Kate. That's a but drag name, isn't it? Yeah. Miss Crow, mine is Minnie Van Rental. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. I also love Donna Mead. Dusty Spring Clean. And Marina Coyle. I like that one as well. I have some other bold ones I won't say. We'll talk. We'll talk. Hey, Thomas. Can I just say thank you because you're a breath of fresh air. You know, this is our first podcast of, of the new, the brand new year. Um, and what a great way to start. Thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. I just want to go for cocktails now. Is it too early? <laughs> we'll put orange juice in the champagne. They yeah, can't call us exactly. alcoholics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm actually going to the office now to get writing done. But thanks for having me. Yay! <laughs> Alas, we have come to the end of another episode of Ireland's Gayest Podcast, Around the World in 80 Gays. Our LGBTQ plus quote of the week comes from the incredible Billy Porter, who said... We are at the forefront of telling our own narrative. I just feel blessed to have lived long enough to see this day. Oh, fair play to you, Billy Porter. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we'll see you same time next week for another trip around the world in, in 80, 80 Gays. gays.